Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today, folks? Give Jesus praise. All right. 100 Days of Glory is still going on. For those that you want more info, you can get on our website, um, gaplcog.org, on our app as well. You can look that up, G-H-C-O-G, in the app store, and you will find it. And uh, 100 Days of Glory, we're still doing that. And um, I was telling my wife yesterday, we're walking through a store, and I saw some drinks that I just wanted to try, but I couldn't. And she said, you got a long ways to go. I said, well, we should have made it 10 days to glory instead of 100. Why are we on such a long journey? All right. Junior talent today, lunch will be provided with practice following until 2.30 today. That's going to, uh, Brad, I think that's going to be in the front of the gym where we're going to be dropping off. Good. So in the front of the gym here is where you'll drop your kids off if they're practicing for junior talent today. All the youth that are going, our teens that are going to Shabbat 2022, and parents uh, meet today, today in the choir room after service. You walk through these doors right here, go all the way straight until you run into a door. That is the choir room, all right? Home for Children fundraiser until the end of February. Uh, what we're going to do this year, we actually normally bring in spaghetti with meat sauce, as many of you may know. So what we're going to do this year, instead of just getting people to bring all different brands and, and you have to travel back and forth with it, we're simply just going to take up offering for this month. through runs through February, so this coming month. So if you want to give $5, $10 here and there, that's fine. Just write on your envelope that, that you want it to go to Home for Children. Um, actually, Sandra has here that she would like for you to label it Harvest Festival 2022, all right? Harvest Festival. Or you can just put food drive on it, something along those lines, so we can make sure that we know that's what it's going for. And then we're just going to order the spaghetti and meat sauce, and we're going to get it shipped directly to them. And that way me and Brian don't have to load it like we did last time and take it down there. So it's so much easier to get it shipped there. So if you want to be a part of that, you can. All right. Also, we have a church meeting scheduled for February the 20th. Uh, that is going to take place at 6 p.m., and that is phase two, all right, that we're going to be discussing. So you don't want to miss that. So today is family day, folks. Family day. This is great. And so our kids are actually going to be helping. This is our uh, lower kids' church. They're actually going to be on the praise team today. I was here practicing with them earlier. They are doing so good. So we're excited about this today. And most of all, we want the presence of God to fill this house and do something that only He is capable of doing. As people, we can take it so far and we can bring so much to a service but there comes a point that His Spirit has to take control. And so that's what we want today. We want the Spirit to intervene and change hearts, change lives. And I assure you, I know in my spirit, I'm 100% sure that God is going to show up in this house today. And He's going to do something special. Are you ready to receive that today? If you are, shout Amen. amen. Father, today we give you this service. We pray that your Spirit... From, from this back, uh, all the way to the back door, all the way to this pulpit today. Father, just infiltrate this house. Do something for us that only you can do. Let the Holy Ghost just come in such a way that we will leave this place in awe of your glory. Leave in awe of your presence. That we will leave in awe saying, my goodness, God did something today that was so amazing, so awesome. And so today, Father, we submit our humanity, our flesh, we submit it to you. Let us be in the Spirit 
for this hour, hour and 15 minutes. Let the Spirit of God rule. Let Him reign. Open our hearts. Open our ears. Let us receive what thus saith the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Let's give Him praise. Amen. Can we stand together in the house this morning? Lord, we lift you in this place. We glorify you. We magnify your name. Have you come to bless the Lord? Amen. I said, have you come to bless the Lord? Let's put our hands together. I said, let's put our hands together. One more time. Some of you again. I said, let us put our hands together. There we go. Well, now this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will sing it again. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Oh, let's rejoice in the Lord and rejoice, rejoice.
Worship the Lord, church. He is worthy. Worship the Lord, church. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Whatever you're going, whatever you're facing, He is the way maker. Worship the Lord, church. Let his presence rest in this place, church. Worship the Lord. Hallelujah.
excited I can't help you I'm serious as a heart attack if that don't light your fire then I might as well just go ahead and shut it down right now 
because that sets me on fire, boy. It sets me on fire seeing kids that would rather do that than be on drugs. That's what sets me on fire. God have mercy. I've got the preacher. It is, he is all over me today. So pray for me very, very hard that I will not preach too long. And secondly, that God will just begin to work in me and help me to, to say what, what he wants me to say. That the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart is simply acceptable in his sight. Today as a pastor, you know, I'm trying to remember what it was like to be a church member. All right? It's been so many years. I started pastoring when I was 21 years old. Me and my bride, just just young couple, 21 years old, started pastoring a church, had no idea what I was doing. I still don't have to know what I'm doing, but I really didn't know what I was doing then. 21 years old, just young whippersnapper of a preacher. But I, I tried to remember last night, I was like, man, just go back. When was the last time you were a member? Do you remember being a member? And it's so difficult for me. So, so often when we as pastors get ready to preach, we are so passionate about what we're preaching about because it's our life. It's what we do, right? It, it is what we do. I eat, sleep, drink it. This is me. I'm a pastor by trade and I'm passionate about the church. A matter of fact, if I wasn't passionate about the church, I would probably need to resign and go back home right now. Because that's what I'm supposed to be passionate about. And so I'm very passionate about the church. So I try to preach from a perspective that, that from a member's perspective as well. And sometimes that's difficult for me. So please understand that if I sound very passionate about what I'm saying, I am not mad at you. Let's just clear the air. I am not mad at you. I'm not mad at anybody listening today. If I'm mad at anybody, I'll say I'm mad at the devil. Because he is a culprit of all of this stuff. And he's the one that causes all of this mess in our lives. It's negative. So if, if I do sound a little passionate today, uh, that's because I'm, I'm just mad at the devil. Is everybody with me? Just say amen if you're with preacher. All right. There's three things that the word does in our life. And I could preach this as a sermon, but I'm not today, but I will another time. The Word challenges us. When the Word is preached, it is going to challenge you. If you go to a church and you listen to a sermon and you do not leave feeling challenged, you haven't been preached the real Word. The Word is going to challenge us. Number two, what the Word is going to do, it is going to correct us. We don't like being corrected, but that's what the Word of God does. Also, a.k.a. it's known as conviction. So when the word is preached, not only is it going to challenge you, it is going to convict you. Thirdly, what the word is going to do, it is going to change you. So when the true word is preached and when we are ready to receive the word, we are challenged, we are corrected, we are convicted, and we are changed. May God do that in this service today. I want to preach a sermon entitled, Dissing the Bride. Now, now you kids out here, do y'all st- have y'all heard the word diss? Anybody? Some of you younger ones nod your head at me. I even got a baby over here nodding her head. All right. The word diss, right? You just diss people. Now, I started looking up because I wanted to know what it meant. And to diss someone means, by definition, to disrespect them. 
So this isn't nice, right? It meant a diss is an insult on somebody. Another word for diss was criticism. That when you diss somebody, you are bringing criticism to them. But the one that I liked the best was the synonym. And it is to undervalue someone or undervalue something. Owning 10% of Apple. Does anybody have an iPhone in their pocket? iPhone. Good. Anybody got a watch on? All right. Can you imagine? It would be a pipe dream if I were to tell you today, you are going to own 10% of Apple right now. Does that sound like a dream to you? Well, there's one man that actually watched his opportunity slip away. You haven't heard of him. When you think of Apple, you think of Steve Jobs or Steve Wozniak. They called him the wise. But there's this third partner who's a co-founder, and his name is Wayne. Ronald Wayne. Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs are 21 and 25 at the time. They needed what they called adult supervision. Ronald was much older than them. He was brought in to oversee the mechanical engineering and documentation of all that was going on. If he did this, the deal was you will give me 10% of the company. Now Steve Jobs had went to the local bank and taken out $15,000 loan because they had to give their first supply. They had their first supplier and they had to fulfill the contract. So he went and borrowed $15,000. But Wayne got concerned when he saw that $15,000 debt. That was incurred for the business to move forward. And he was afraid that one day it would fall on him personally. Because Jobs and Waz are both young. History tells us they were both broke. So if it goes south, guess who's got to pay the bill? The guy that's got the house. The guy that has an established life. He feared that the financial burden would fall on him if things went south. So after a mere 12 days of being the co-owner of Apple, he decided he would take his name off the contract and sold his shares back to his other co-founders. Guess how much he sold it for? A measly $800. Now there's some of you in here, some of you younger people, you're thinking, man, if I could work for 12 days and bring home $800, that's real bucks, right? On the first trading day, of January 2022, Apple would mark a new milestone and become the first company to reach a three trillion market cap. So Wayne's decision to leave the startup ended really bad for him because today, based on the numbers, a 10% stake in Apple would be worth only $300 billion. Did y'all hear that? He got his $800 paycheck. Had he just held on until now, he would be the world's richest man withholding only 10% of a company called Apple. His decision was a big mistake. You talk about the word undervalue. He undervalued the potential of what Apple could become. And he dissed Apple. When he left. Can I tell somebody today. That I want to go from the same concept. And I want us to understand. That I'm afraid in the church. The bride. A.K.A. the church is the bride of Christ. And I'm afraid that we have gotten to a place. That we have undervalued. The church. 
We do not understand how valuable this place is. We have no idea how valuable it is for us to be able to come into a church without any persecution, without anybody trying to stop us, and we can come into this church today, we can clap our hands, we can lift our hands, we can lift our voice, we can say amen, hallelujah, praise God. Come on, somebody. But we have dissed the bride for too long because we have undervalued how much she's worth. Now, I want to say something really, really quick before I get into Please hear me. And, 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 and this was an issue long before COVID. You know, people think when you start talking about church and church attendance and things like this and commitment, they automatically go to, to COVID. Listen, I, I, this is way before this. This was happening years before we even even knew there was a COVID, right? So today this is a heavy word and I'm praying that God would help me to bring it in a right way and I pray that God would help you to receive it today exactly what God is trying to say to us. But, 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 but sometimes, can I just be honest, I get tired of excuses. I just get tired of excuses. If, if, if I were to get a job, now think about this, Scott. If we got a job, I, you, I'm working for you, all right? And, and, and Monday rolls around, I just don't show up. Right? He's like, all right, something must be wrong. Hey, Jimmy, you doing all right? Yes, Scott, I wasn't feeling too good today. I'm sorry, man. I'll see you tomorrow. All right. Tomorrow rolls around, Tuesday, I don't show up for work. After a while, what do you think Scott's going to do to me? He's going to fire me, hopefully, because I'm not worth my wage and I'm working for him. He's going to get rid of me. I have undervalued what he's done for me. I've undervalued the paycheck that he writes me every week. And because of that, I've just dissed his company. And I'm telling you today, I want us to deal with this fact because I want us to understand that we've got to stop dissing the bride. We need to value the bride. We need to fall in love with the bride. I mean, the church of Jesus Christ is so amazing, folks. Being here today is an amazing thing. Ask some foreign countries that can't do it. All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. I want to go, let us hold tightly. It's hot on me. Let us hold tightly. I'm talking about the air. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God, watch this, he can be trusted to keep his promise. If you've had God keep his promise, shout amen. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Here it goes, verse 25. And let us not neglect... Our meeting together, watch this, as some people do. Did you grab that? But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is near. Now from this verse, we learn a few things. Number one, some of us go to church because we love church. We go because we are in love with Jesus. We're in love with Gap Hill, baby. I mean, we love this house, right? Blood, sweat, tears. Some of us just don't go to church. We learn that some of us, because we want to obey what God has said per Hebrews chapter 10, we go to church. The problem that I have is when we allow church to, be, to become an optional thing in our life. What does optional mean? It means that it is available, but it's not required. For the child of God, I need you to understand today how much you need this church. 
I want you to know that the relationships that we build with one another in this place are sacred. We, be, we can build trust in this house. We can build confidence in one another that we can go to one another when we need something just simply to talk or prayer. We can develop relationships in this house that the world should not be able to give us. So when people begin to make the church optional, and yes, I know that we know sinners don't come to church very often. They're not, you know, supposed to. Uh, Even in the kingdom of God, we're finding that among Christians that it's becoming more and more popular to say, keep the church doors open, make them available to me, and when I want to come, I can come. But church was not an option that God gave us. A matter of fact, Jesus was pretty adamant in chapter 10 and 25 that we show up. Because he said, forsake not the assembling or the meeting of yourselves together. You need to go to the church. When Jesus said he was coming to build a church, you remember it with me. He said, I am going to build a church and it is going to be built upon a rock. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen to me. God will not accept a shaky church that can't figure out what they believe and preach the truth of the gospel. He will not accept a divided church. He will not accept a lukewarm church. He is looking for a church that is committed, a church that is strong, a church that is in love with Him. That's the church that Jesus Christ is looking for. So today I want you to understand this very quickly. There is no victory in myself. There is only victory when I am connected with that which God has made. The church. Now I want to tell you something about the church. Are y'all ready for this? I started pastoring at 21. I, I started going to church before I was even out of mama's womb. Right? I'm John the Baptist flipping in the Holy Ghost in the womb. That's me. And so, I want to tell you something about the church. The church is full of flawed, messed up people. I said it. There are some messed up people in the church. There are some people in the church, they love the church, they just ain't got it together. Come on, somebody. And if we come to church to experience perfection, we are going to be disappointed every single time. Because let me tell you something. You, 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 now if you're looking for perfection, right? You may go to a church that acts holy and, and they on the outside they appear holy and all this kind of stuff. But when you get in the church, what you often find is a bunch of, y'all ready? Pharisees. You can find Pharisees, but you ain't going to find perfection. And so God said, and, and how does God feel about Pharisees? Anybody know? God doesn't like them because they thought they were better than everybody else. So, so God says when you go to the church, you may run in even to some Pharisees that think they're better than you are. But don't leave the church because of them. God has called you to be a part of the church. It doesn't matter what everybody else does. They're flawed. Get over it. All I need to do is worry about my heart and make sure it stays right with God. See, the truth of the matter is that when you come to a church, 
we're going to have to work through some things together in the church. Because church can get sticky sometimes. And I want to tell you something. There's some crazy people in the church. But there's some crazy people in your family too and you still love them. And you still go eat with them at Christmas. And you tolerate a couple hours. Come on somebody. I mean, we come two, two and a half hours a week. I mean, you can put up with our crazy too. So we understand that this church I'm talking about, it is not perfect. And I want to tell you some things the church is not alone with that. The church is not the building. Although it is where the church meets today. The church is not one person. If so, then I mean... Huh? I mean, who are we going to pick, right? Who's going to be the church? God said the church is not one person. The church is never referred to in the singular. The church is always us. It is always in the plural. That is why when we get four or five that think they can run the church, you've got to realize there's a lot more people in there than just you. And we get pastors that think that they're the face of the church and they can run the church. No, sir. God has never called a singular church. God has always said, let us meet together. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves. See the plurality there? The church is not a denomination. If the church were a denomination, then that means only one is going to heaven. So if it is a denomination, I sure hope it's ours. But what I'm figuring out from what I read in my Bible is that God said there's only one bride. One bride. It is not denominationally tied. It is not Baptist, Pentecostal, Church of God. It's none of the ties that we can put on a church body. But I'm telling you, the bride of Christ are the blood washed and the redeemed. Those that have come to Calvary and plunged underneath that flood and lost all their guilt and shame. That is the bride of Christ that is spotless, wrinkled, without blemish. And God is coming back for that bride. See, understand with me today that the church is not a personality. And you know why? We are all very different. We don't have a singular personality here. Thank God. I don't like the way some of y'all act. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> we all are different. Therefore, God says the church is going to look diverse. It's going to look different. And I'm telling you, I love diversity. And the reason I love diversity is simply because that's the way heaven is going to look, folks. The church is not these things. But I can tell you what the church is. The church is the gathering together of believers. I am going to say that one more time. The church is when believers get together to worship one God. That is church. Help, help, Jimmy Jesus. Facebook Live ain't church. I want to tell y'all folks, I, you know, I, I, I love Facebook Live. I really do, and I understand. And please don't misunderstand what I'm going to say, and I'm going to take my time, and I'm going to slow down even if I preach three more minutes. Uh, than I'm supposed to because I need you to grab this. I'm, I'm all about shut-ins having a way to watch church. I think it's beautiful. It's beautiful. When I got an elder that cannot be there or not feeling well and they need rest, I love it that they can watch this today and be able to worship with us. I love that. Olin, for a long time, 
Uh, this guy had COVID, stayed in the hospital for months. I told y'all last, or over a month, and, and now he's in church and worshiping God, no oxygen on, which was not supposed to happen until God intervened and changed things. In his situation, I was glad when he sent me messages and would say, Pastor, man, I really enjoyed that sermon today. But I knew that he was in a position, in a posture, to where he could not physically come into this house. So I thank God for that, right? When people are sick, when people are shut in, I thank God for technology. I'm not knocking that. But I'm telling you that there are some people that have fallen into a habit that they can get just as much of Jesus in their li- on their living room couch as they can in the house of God. That's a lie from hell. And it is a lie that the devil has told you. And the reason he's told you that is because he wants you to neglect the gathering together. Of God's people. Because see, there's some things that happen when people get together. Now, I want to show you all this. Uh, when In the 90s and early 2000s, uh, really in the, it was in the mid-90s probably. But I remember Jimmy Swaggart, he came out and he had that TV, you know. Jimmy Swaggart, you could watch him on TV. And boy, I won't ever forget it. When that phenomenon hit and everybody thought, whoo. Boy, it's nice you can get church at home now. And you like, where you pay your tithes? So they be like, I send it to the 700 Club. I watch them every week. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is not what God intended. I don't mind you watching them, but if you have taken that and replaced it with His church, there's something wrong with that. And so, I remember in the early 90s, this is crazy. Because I remember people started laying out of church so they could watch Jimmy Swaggart. Now, Miss Phyllis, I understand why our preachers were beating TVs up and burning them and throwing them in creeks. They didn't want anybody to have one to watch it on. They wanted them to come to church. See, understand with me, and I'm not just going to get on this kick. I want to explain to you, I want to go to church and gather with believers Because I want to encounter the presence of Jesus in a way that I cannot do on my own. Now please understand with me. It is impossible. Now I enjoy a good prayer service and I enjoy getting in my closet. And I enjoy having personal time with God. There's nothing wrong with that. There are moments that Jacob has to go alone and he has to fight with an angel. And say I'm not letting go until you touch me, until you bless me. But I'm telling you there's way too many stories in that good old book we call the Bible. Where the people of God came together and there's places shaken and there's miracles happen. There's something that happens when God's people come together in a gathering. And so I need to come to church because I need the presence of Jesus in a special way. Because it only happens in a community of believers. Now in Matthew 18, 20, and you know the scripture. He said it this way. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, they are worshiping me, he said, there am I in the midst. God showed us that even, listen, it is not about the numbers. God shows us that even to the small church, the source of our power when we come together, it is not in a number. I'm going to tell you what, listen, I've been to a few ball games in my life, and um, Clemson, I'm not going to lie to you. 
I enjoy the atmosphere sometimes, right? But I can get it better from TV. I can see it better. But there's something special about being with the crowd. I mean, when, when we're doing this ridiculous wave stuff, and you're like, whoa! You know, man, this is awesome. When they're getting ready, and it's third down and inches to go. All of a sudden, the decibels are shaking. And, oh, I mean, I went one time, last time I went, we were in one of those situations. And I remember, I just did this. I was like, oh. I don't know what I was accomplishing. I think what we were trying to do is get to where the other team couldn't hear the play call and maybe catch them off guard. We screamed and we hollered. I'd come home, wouldn't even have a voice. I enjoyed the atmosphere. I enjoyed the numbers. It was electric. But the power is not in the numbers in the community and the gathering of Christ. The power is in the name of Jesus that we gather in. That is why God said you can have 2,000 or 3,000 and I'll be in the midst. Or you can go to a small church in a house that just started with two or three people. And guess what? The same spirit that filled the other house is going to fill this house. That's who God is. Woo! Uh, by the way, folks, you are in a Pentecostal church, so I do act crazy. Hallelujah. I kick a leg every now and then. I shout hallelujah. I am not afraid at all because I'm worshiping Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Watch this. And when they, who? When Peter had prayed, when Paul had prayed, James, you know. When they had prayed, the place there you go, the gathering. And I like it because it's not contingent of where you are. We could go today, we could go next Sunday and meet on the ball field. That's our gathering place. We could meet here in this house. We could meet it. That's why churches, they have them in schoolhouses sometimes. It doesn't matter the place. It's the point of the gathering. Watch. And the place where they were assembled together was shaken. Watch this, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak the word with boldness. When they came together, things begin to happen. Understand with me, the word synergy is where we get the word together from. Do you understand what synergy is? Synergy, company A, company B. You with me? Company A is growing. Oh, it's doing so good. Man, we've got 100,000 new customers. Company B has some brilliant ideas. They don't have the money to create the idea. So company B is like, we need more money. We need more cash flow. We've got the ideas. And all of a sudden, company A hears about company B. And they confront company B and says, if we could just make a merge together. And if, if we could put my money with your ideas... We can make, do you know when you look up the word synergy, that's exactly what it means when two companies come together and they merge because they understand this concept. That two is better than one. Two, oh my God. Two bank accounts is better than one bank account. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. Some of you like, I got ten of them. They only got five cents a piece in each of them. Well, Hallelujah. Make you feel rich. You know how when you're talking to your rich buddy, somebody, I got five different accounts. They're like, at first, yeah, I got an account there. Yeah, what about Bank of America? I got one there too. I started one of the other ones, TD Ameritrade. I got one of those accounts too. Don't tell them how much you got in. Just make them sound like you got a lot. 
Synergy. Whenever it comes together. And I'm telling you, this is exactly what happens. Now, in this verse, in chapter 4 and verse 31, I want you to notice the word that God's interested in. Can you find it? It's called they. When they had prayed. When they were assembled. They were filled. They spoke the word. Is everybody following me? The word they. This is a synergy. This is where people come together more than one and it is greater. God is interested in they. When they all get together and do what God has equipped them to do in the kingdom. And all of our talents are different. That is why God needs you in his church. Because you bring something to the bride of Christ that nobody else can Bring. And that is why diversity is so beautiful in God's church. Man, we got so much talent running around this place. Our kids just showed, it the, showed us this morning the talent they got. Don't tell anybody. I'm on Facebook Live, so I guess somebody can see it. If they get offended, they can get over it. We could take our kids that were on the front here, and they'd sound a lot better than some church praise teams out there. That's the truth. Y'all should have shouted amen or y'all don't want to be culprits in this crime. I want to tell you something. I'm not responsible for the church down the road. This is my house. This is the house God has put me in. This is where I steward at. This is where my accountability is. It's not to the church down the road. It is to this body. So let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with being a little bragging sometime about what God's doing in your church. We don't mean it out of spite, but we're just glad to know that God thinks enough of us that He would come in our house, that He would bless us with talent, that He would bless us with giftings. It is all because God is wanting to do something when people in this church come to together God is wanting to show up and let the Holy Ghost fill every one of us from the front to the back that is what God's into so it produces a synergy that can't be produced otherwise I can't get it done alone it's kind of like the you know I'm the lead pastor and you imagine the lead pastor and I've done it before in our churches that didn't have a lot of talent that's why I go crazy over Gap Hill because we do but I've been in situations where I played the music I sang. I was a praise leader. And then I had to preach. I've been in those situations. What if I was the praise leader? What, 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 what if we were like, what we, we need a youth pastor. Let's get one of them youth pastors. I mean, what pastor? Well, I'll take care of the youth pastor. What, what if the children's ministry? We, we got to have children. They got to be taken care of. And you got the pastor. You understand? And so you got one guy here, and I'm like, I'll take care of all the ministries. It ain't happening, Captain. You know why? It can't happen. It's impossible. Because while I'm preaching here, I can't be teaching kids over there. There's some things that one person cannot do alone. And that is why God said the church, it has lost its value to some. It has been undervalued, much like our beginning story today of Ronald Wayne. But let me tell you today, I'm understanding more and more as I live. This is why God has a beautiful church. This is why we meet together. Because synergy happens. We produce something that we cannot do separately. We can only do it corporately. My church is so beautiful. I gotta hurry. You know, I remember back in the day, altar time was the um, altar time used to be powerful time. Anybody remember those days? Altar time 
A matter of fact, when uh, I was coming up in church, we actually, I anticipated altar time. I enjoyed the singing. I enjoyed the preaching. But there was just something when God's people got together around an old-fashioned altar. Sometimes I'd go beside some of the elders that just knew how to pray and touch heaven. And I'd just kneel down and instead of praying, I'd just listen. And they'd pray me happy. My God, we need more of that today, don't we? Because you think about it. I was just a little whippersnapper. I'm just a little kid. And I can still remember the impact that happened to me at the altar. My God, do you know why altar time is so powerful? And I'm kind of a loner at times. And sometimes I can be an introvert. Sometimes I can be an extrovert. I don't, to be honest with you, I think I'm having an identity crisis. I don't know who I am anymore. But sometimes I'm an introvert. And I like being alone. And I don't want to talk. And I just want to be alone. So I enjoy me and God time, right? I enjoy that. But I'm going to tell you what I've missed more in my older age that I had when I was a kid. And that was the older time. I miss it. Because in those moments, a, now I understand, a synergy was happening. Because people were coming together for one purpose. And we prayed together. And we were coming together for one purpose. And that was to glorify God. And God have mercy. When somebody said, I need anointed with all. I'd run, I'd jump up on the stage because I was shorter then and I'd try to get right there where I could get in on the action. And I'd reach my hand over, I'd be praying for people, just a little five, six-year-old kid and I'm laying hands on people like, praise God, praying as hard as I can. I can't tell you the times that synergy happened when we began to pray for somebody, whether it was a sickness, whether it was a burden they had and by the time they left that place, guess what had happened? Change had come. God had broke the chains all because somebody anointed them with oil and a group of people got together and synergy happened and they did what one person could not do alone they rang the prayer bells of heaven and the Holy Ghost showed up does anybody miss those days that's amazing because we still believe in it we just don't do it right but we should there's no shame in somebody saying pastor I need special prayer today. There's no shame in that. Oh, well, somebody might think bad of me. Who cares what they think? They don't know what we're praying for. We don't have to broadcast it to the church. It's just, man, I got a special need. And what you're recognizing is it's more than I can bear by myself. I need some people that know how to pray to touch heaven with me. So I I need it because of that. And I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to go through fast. I want to go to church to experience the protection of God. When I go to church, I receive the word of God, instruction of God in the communion of the saints. We get into a safe place, his house. You have to be careful what you hear. That's why TV church doesn't work. That's why just finding some random place that you're going to listen and that's going to be your little home church doesn't work. Because in a church community, hear me very good, in a church community... You gather around voices of what we will call accountability. That is why some people don't want to be a part of the bride. 
Because they don't want accountability over their lives. But we need accountability over our lives. And I do not have time to preach all that. Number three in closing, I want to go to church so I can experience the prosperity of God in my life. Prosperity is so much more than money that you have in the bank. Prosperity to God from, from God is what we see in Psalm 92. It's a flourishing spirit. Look at Psalm 92. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Look, those who are what? Are planted where? In the... My Lord, have mercy. Not at home. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish where? There is something that happens and takes place when God's people come together that you can't get anywhere else. Understand with me. When you get planted, things prosper. Let me give you an example. Ansley, Grace, and I went to the Lowe's the other day. She was going to do some kind of a project on possible, possible project on plants. And we got looking in there. And I found some little cute, oh man, they're so cute. You know, them little tiny, y'all know what I'm talking about? They make them look so cute, you bring them home and they die. But still, little tiny projects. And you see this little, little tree or bush sticking out. Y'all, man, that's beautiful. Let's get it. Now, there's one thing I want you to understand about a nursery pot. A nursery pot will keep the plant nourished enough to survive. It will keep it functioning, right? But it will not allow it to prosper. Watch this. Because what the nursery pot does is the roots can only go so deep. And the pot prevents it from being able to really grow and go deeper. If the fruit on the tree is going to increase, the root has got to go deeper. That is why when hurricanes come, you walk in the yard, the tree's still standing. A tornado comes through the neighborhood and you go look at the old faithful oak. And the leaves are still falling, bless God, because they pour a lot of them down. It's because of the root system that the tree has. There's a tree known as the shepherd's tree in the desert. It has roots that are 230 feet deep. It is also known as what they call the tree of life because humans and even animals find sustenance from it. And it is as much needed when, when, when it gets sunny outside and it's beaten down. It's the only tree in the desert that actually gives off a little shade. I'm telling you, we need some planted folks. Come on now. Oh, God. Watch this. Watch this. I want to leave you with this. When, when you get planted, the roots begin to grow towards the river. I love this. And in dry seasons, the river will sustain you. See, come in the church. I want you to understand. Somebody that tries to make it without, without the church, they may be able to function. All right? They may get a little sustenance to keep them going, right? But they will not flourish until they get planted in the church. And it is kind of when you get it and those roots begin to go towards the river. It is like coming to church. It's like a man that's been walking in the desert. And finally he finds a, a fresh stream of flowing water and can drink. It is refreshing. A matter of fact, there's times that coming to church will save you. 
There's signs that come in the church. Uh, we'll just keep you from dying spiritually. Because it's the only shade that you can get. Let me leave you with Psalm 63. Oh God. You are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Verse 2. We've got a man that's thirsty. We've got a man that's longing for something. He's home. Praise. So I have looked for you. Are y'all with me today? Where did I look? I went to church. I went in the sanctuary. Why did I go in the sanctuary? Because it is not about you all the time. It is not about you getting blessed all the time. Sometimes it's about coming together and seeing somebody else get blessed. And in turn, that blesses you. I have come to the sanctuary to see your power and to see your glory. Because I recognize there's some things that I can't get at home. There's some things i got to show up. If you're using an excuse today for why you can't come to church, stop it now in Jesus' name. If you're able, get here. Because God is wanting to do some things in your life that you never dreamed possible. Go ahead and play, Susan. I am closing today. I want, I, want, I want to give you this story. And um, it won't take me but a couple minutes here. But Wayne Cordero is a pastor. He went to a church in China. In this church, he pastors actually in Honolulu, Hawaii. I mean, that must be a burden, right? He's pastor of New Hope Fellowship. He tells the story that one day he decided he was going to go over to China. He wanted to be with those people. So he went to China to do a leaders conference. He had heard about the underground church. It's a communist nation or country, as all of you know. He went to do a leadership conference for 22 Christian leaders. As he is standing up here, he understands China's not like America. So he looks at them and says, what happens to me if we get caught today, right? What happens to me? I mean, that's a, that's a logical question. They look at him and they respond, well, pastor, uh, you will get deported back to America in 24 hours. But we will go to prison for three years. Are y'all ready for this? This shook me to the core. You'll go home in 24 hours, deportation. We will go to jail for three years. The pastor asked, how many of you have went to prison for meeting together to have church? He said, 18 of the 22 people raised their hands. They had been in jail for coming to a gathering. In the beginning, short on Bibles, he only had 17. Didn't realize there was going to be 22 there. The pastor asked him to turn to 2 Peter. And when he said it, there was a woman that had a Bible that handed her Bible to another leader beside her. He caught that. He saw that. During the break, he asked her about it. And she said, I have spent a lot of time in prison. He said, well, don't they confiscate the Bible in prison? I mean, that's what you're going for. She said, yes, but they smuggle in pieces of paper with portions of the scripture on them. He said, but, but if you get caught with the Bible, you'll go to jail. If you get caught even with the paper with the Bible on it, you'll go to jail. 
to which she responded, that's why we memorize it as fast as we can. Because though they can take away the paper, they cannot take away from us what has been hidden in our hearts. At the conclusion of a three-day meeting, Kadero asked them, how can I pray for you? I mean, how do you pray for people like that? He's thinking, they should come up here and pray for me. Not the other way around. How can I pray for you? One man finally responded and said, we want freedom of worship. We want to be able to come together. And we don't want to be able to worship God anytime we want to. He said, in America, you worship whenever and wherever you want to. Could you pray that one day we could be just like you? Seems logical, right? I mean, everybody agree? I mean, yeah, freedom of worship, that's great, right? Pastor Cadero said he stood there for a moment and thought about it. And he looked back at them and he said, I will not pray that you become like us. He said they looked at him strangely. He said, I cannot pray this for you. He said, today you traveled 13 hours on a train together in a 700 square foot building with no air conditioner to hear the word and risk going to jail. He said, in America, if the drive is over one hour, people won't even come to a room that's bigger than we need and it's got AC in the house. He said, I won't pray that this happens. I'll tell you why. He said, you go to prison for three years if you are caught with the Bible. In America, he said, we have three or more Bibles in every home just laying around with dust on them because we refuse to read them. No, I will not pray that you become like us. But I will pray that we become just like you. That don't hit you in the heart, nothing will. Kristen Kane also went to China some years back. She was invited, go back to my title screen there, Chevy, I'm done. She's invited to go to China. 500 leaders are meeting. They want her to teach them how to reach young people, the younger generation. The leader said, we don't understand anything about leadership. We, we don't understand about Western leadership methods at all. They asked Miss Kane, could you help us? This is what they said to her. All we know how to do is pray. All we know how to do is believe in God. That is how we had revival in China. When we are not care allowed to carry the word of God, we had revival in China simply through prayer. The only leadership training we give our people is this. Are you ready? We teach them how to witness to their executioner on their way to their execution. Kristen Kane said she froze right where she was standing. And she asked them, would you please lay hands on me and pray for me. And I quote to you the words that came out of her mouth directly from her in that moment of awe. She said, I thought, what am I doing here, she said. I literally said, I'm not sure if I'm even a Christian right now. You're asking me? No. No, you can all lay hands on me. You can all lay hands on me and give me the kind of faith that says, I'm going to witness of my executioner on the way to my execution. I want the kind of faith.
Jesus Christ to marvel and stand in awe. Let's all stand. I'm, I'm closing today. God have mercy. What have we become? What have we become in these great United States of America? Why is it that we feel like we can diss the bride when in other countries people are dying, risking their lives to come to a meeting like this? And Cadero says, I am not going to pray for you to be like us because he knew that once they were Americanized, their heart for God would leave. Their desire and passion for the church would begin to dwindle. God help us today. Jesus, fill this house. Do something that only you can do. Infiltrate every single heart. Let synergy happen right now. Holy Spirit, convict us. Challenge us. Correct us. Change us. Let us understand today how valuable the bride is. Help us to understand how valuable this church is. We need it. It needs us. Folks, I preach this word to you today. If you want some time with God, I want you to take it right now. I know we're later than normal. I don't even really care right now. I want to give you an opportunity to have a moment with Jesus. I really do. I want to give you a moment. You and Jesus. You and Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. There's some things that can only happen in the church. I don't want to hear you complain about your troubles anymore until you bring it to the altar and give it to Jesus. There, I said it. I don't want to get a phone call from you and I don't want to hear a pastor pray for me. Everything's falling apart on Monday when you could have came here on Sunday and got a breakthrough. I'm not going to hear it. I'm not going to hear it. Because there's some things that I recognize I can't do by myself. That's why we're in the church today. Because this is where synergy happens. This is where believers come together. And miracles take place. Anybody else feel the need to pray today? Does anybody else feel the need to pray today? Maybe I didn't preach it good enough today, Lord. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I missed it. God have mercy. I've struggled with this for two weeks. I had it last Sunday. I had it on hot press. I was waiting to pull it off. I held back. This week, it's so heavy on me, I couldn't even hardly stand it. I'm asking you to put into their hearts what you put into my heart this week. I'm asking you and every individual right now, Every And you listen, you don't have to come to altar. You can grab your neighbor's hand and together, together right there at your pew, you can hold your neighbor's hand or, or, or put your hand on, its back, on their back. That's synergy. That's coming together. Where two or three touch and agree on anything, it shall be done. That's synergy. So it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're at an altar, if you're at your pew. 
It's just the point of getting together. It is the point of asking God to move in this setting, in this atmosphere. Because in this atmosphere, things begin to take place. In this atmosphere, places begin to shake. Miracles begin to happen. Burdens begin to fall off. Hallelujah. Sicknesses begin to be healed. It is in this place. Oh God. If you're an elder in the church, grab somebody. Come pray with them. Come pray. Give them synergy. Give them synergy. We need, we need more two or three touch and agree. So if you don't have a need today, maybe God's really blessing you right now. And that's great. But I'm asking you to pour into somebody else. I'm asking you to help somebody else. Because even though my life may be good, now I, things are good for me right now. But somebody right here today, maybe they really need a miracle. I mean, maybe... Maybe somebody here today is on the brink of giving up. I mean, maybe perhaps. Maybe today somebody came here and thinking, God, I cannot take it anymore. If you can help them, help them. If you can bless them, bless them. If you can touch heaven for them, just simply touch heaven for them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.